last Sunday morning at the, in the uh, Sunday school hour out at Family Life Center, several of you uh, heard Pastor Greg uh, Mathe as he uh, as he was sharing sharing some of their ministries there briefly in the time that he had. But uh, he was I remember one of the pictures that he was showing, and it showed uh, his car. And we're talking about all the ministries they do and the things that they have. Now, if he was in Georgia, I'd say that man needs a pickup truck, Fred. Uh, you know, every pastor needs a pickup truck. Uh, the deacons can ride back there and you can do all kinds of things in a pickup truck. <laughs> but uh, and the deacons are all nodding now. But as I looked at that afterwards, I went not talk to Greg and uh, he rents a little, a little trailer, a small enclosed trailer that he uh, can pull behind his car and he rents a tow bar. And I remember last weekend talking with Craster Greg, uh, Fred Freeman came over to me and said, Jerry, we need to do something about that. And, uh, and uh, I agree. So this morning at the close of service, as you leave, you have to pay to leave. Uh, <laughs> getting in was free. It's like, you know, there will be opportunity. You really don't. I'm just, but there'll be opportunity as you leave. There'll be offering plates at the doors for a love offering to, uh, for Pastor Greg to purchase that. Around $2,000 uh, to buy the enclosed trailer and the tow bar. Right, brother? Yeah, nod, just nod there. He's, he's, he's busy. He's trying to figure out how he's going to cut his sermon short so he wants to be sensitive to all this. I'm telling you, this is second service. They're not used to eating too early. If they ate too early, it would give them indigestion. Now, I realize if I'm saying that to an African pastor, that is dangerous stuff to say. <laughs> that is, but uh, that'll be it as you get opportunity to do that. As we close, we've, we've known him for many, many years. He always calls me. He said, this is your brother from another mother, my friend. <laughs> Pastor Greg, pastor, friend, missionary, fellow laborer in the Lord. Let's give him a house of prayer. Welcome. Thank you, Pastor Jerry. Brothers and sisters, greetings to you in the all-powerful, matchless name of our only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am overwhelmed by the kindness and the generous lavishing of genuine love from brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. The choir always blesses not just me, everyone who is able to sit under the sound of the choir, because the choir has one objective as I have observed throughout the years. And that is to willfully, deliberately, intentionally uplift the name of Jesus. And I've come to know that. And again, no other name but the matchless name of Jesus. I will do an injustice to name of just a few people for their personal kindness and generosity. But you know who you are. I have slept in probably eight or nine different beds. I have eaten so many different southern foods. (laughs) Been to cooks and fats and um, Chick-fil-A and, (laughs) well, I still haven't been to Jim's Spare Ribs, but you know, it's only 11 o'clock in the morning, Uh, we might still get there, but Pastor Jerry, thank you for 
loving on me and for the church on loving on us as a family. But I need to say that I am fixing to leave. (laughs) Now, you'll all come and see me now. All right. Way, Way back in, I'm from the deep south. South Africa, you can't get any deeper than South Africa. That is the end of the world. But we have a beautiful country. We are one of the few cities in the world that actually has a mountain in the middle of the city and I can decide where I want to swim, in the Atlantic Ocean or in the Indian Ocean on one day. Are you coming? Father, we bless you and we worship you. Lord, you are indeed the immutable God, the unchanging God, the God who cannot love us more than what he already loves us, that he cannot forgive us more than what he already will and do forgive us. You are the omnipotent God. You can become all that you want to be, because you have the potential, you're omnipotent. You know all things about us because you are omniscient. You see everything from beginning to the end because you are omnipresent. Father God, we bow before you, not reluctantly, but with hearts filled with immense gratitude and praise and worship simply for who you are, the incomparable God. You will not share your glory with another. You are not a God that you would lie. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our only Savior, that only in you do we find full forgiveness of every possible sin that can ever be committed on the face of the earth. Thank you for your ineffable love. Thank you for your amazing grace. And we pray, Lord, that the goodness of the Lord will spur us on to serve him faithfully until we close our eyes. And as the hymn writer reminds us, O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Be thou forever near me, my master and my friend. I shall not fear the battle, for thou art always with us. Lord, grant again that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing and acceptable unto Jesus, our only sovereign Lord, to him, all the praise, the glory, and the honor. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Our scripture reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 12. And I read to you the first four verses. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. Therefore, seeing we are also compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied 
and faint in your minds. He have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. I want to speak to you this morning about, watch it, losing weight. <laughs> of course, it's not new to the system or any slim, quick slim program. Neutral system says that you can lose 13 pounds and 7 inches just in one month. Anybody tried that? I don't think it works, is it? I'm speaking about losing weight that will weigh you down spiritually. Where you could have been advancing in a variety of areas, but because of willful, deliberate sin, it will weigh us down. So the book of Hebrews was written to encourage the believers who were under further threat of persecution. They were tempted to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ and to return to the safety of state religion. There's always this temptation to find the easy way out, isn't that so? Not to be disciplined in your walk with God. And many of us have fallen into that trap. We are not spiritually disciplined. Out of fear and not fully understanding the absolute supremacy of Jesus, they started to drift away from their faith in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you don't know exactly who he is, you will follow him from a distance. But if you know him intimately, as our sister testified here this morning, the Holy Spirit will create a passion and a desire, not just to know him intellectually, but to live him out in reality so that Jesus will ooze out of your life. These believers became complacent. They became less vigilant, less Christ-centered and Christ-focused. They became spiritually weaker and the knees became very feeble. They resorted to just going with the flow, meandering in the crowds. For them, they were just same old, same old. Just like last year, Miss Daisy, we will keep on the way we were. However, the writer encourages them. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. May I encourage you this morning, as this is my last um, sermon here in Blaisville, to all of us, Pastor Jerry, myself, all the leaders, the brothers and sisters, and those who will still believe, look unto Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So in the church, there has crept a spirit, a lethargic spirit. People were becoming spiritually careless and spiritually undisciplined. They were just going through the motions. That is a dangerous place to be. It is a dangerous place even for a pastor to be at a place where he does this out of duty and he drags his feet behind the pulpit. There cannot be anything more frustrating when your heart is not in it. And so these believers 
uh, have become very complacent. An Old Testament phrase will remind us they have had a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. They are just, they look like the real deal, but they aren't. Put them to the test and they will throw in the towel. Unfortunately, many believers, as is characterized, is characterized by a phrase that John uses in one of the letters to uh, the churches in Asia Minor. You are lukewarm. You are neither hot nor are you cold. Lukewarmness or being cold is not acceptable to God. He will spew you out of his mouth. But I want to speak to this morning and I have, and I have the crowd here that is done with meandering. They are done with mediocrity and they want to be bold and boisterous in their walk with Jesus and that is why you are here this morning. Amen. You want to be known as somebody who is not meandering. This is not the normal mediocrity Christianity. I want to be bold and I want to be boisterous. I want to count for Jesus Christ. I don't want to just click like, but I want to follow him all the days of my life. And so I want to speak to you and thank you that you are here this morning. The book of Hebrews constantly reminds us that we need to be very careful about how we live. We must be accountable to God. We must pay most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. We must hear the word of God and as James would say, do not merely be hearers of the word but apply the word of God, the word of God to your life. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has an evil, sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Sin will keep you away from God and God will keep you away from sin. By now, says the Apostle Paul, in your prolonged spiritual journey, you ought to have been teachers of the word of God, but you are still desperately in need of someone to teach you the very basic, the very elementary truths of God's word. By now, you should have been spiritually light years ahead, but you are finding yourself in a place of spiritual retardation. Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight the paths for your feet so that the limbs which is lame or disabled may be healed. Brothers and sisters, may I say to you categorically, spiritual wellness is God's design and his will for all of his children. He wants you and me to prosper spiritually. There is so much unnecessary, unbiblical teaching on, on, on prosperity. God promised us that if we abide in him and he abides in us, this is spiritual prosperity. We will bear fruit showing ourselves to be his disciples. Amen. He desires for us to be. So we, we ask the question, so how do I become spiritually fit? Well, you know that one of the things is they'll teach us. You've got to get rid of some of the weights. So lay aside, remove, discard, throw off everything 
that hinders us. The words everything that hinders us means any kind of weight that will slow you down or cause you to wander or drift from the straight and the narrow. Throwing off everything and the weight that entangles us means that we must travel light, get rid of excess baggage. The race will be hard and difficult and will bring about unnecessary pain and frustration when you are heavy laden with sin and with guilt. When I go through the airport tomorrow evening, five o'clock or six o'clock, I will have to go and carry as little weight through the little booth and they will tell me, take off your belt and take off your shoes, take all the loose money, open your laptop, take your bag out, do that. You see, they will know when I go through that scanner that I have things on me that is not permitted on the other side. There are certain things in your life and in my life that the Holy Spirit needs to x-ray and he searches our heart and he reminds you, you can do better. Get rid of this. Get rid of these other things. These action words is indeed not just a mere suggestion or a willingness, but you've got to deliberately, here and now, and not tomorrow, throw these things out. Today, when you hear my voice, of course, this is not intended for unbelievers. This is intended for Christians. So today, when you hear the Holy Spirit of God mentions to you, speaks into your heart, the things that you need to get rid of, then you and I have to listen to the voice of the Spirit. And you see, those things that we lose will be for our gain. Things that we lose will be for our gain. And here it says, everything here does not refer to sin in particular. He's coming to that. But rather that which is right and that which is good, but it will hinder you from running the race with all your strength, putting your best foot forward. It's those things that are good, but they are not important. Those things that are beneficial, but they do not have any significance regarding to the ministry of the kingdom of God. These are those subtle distractions. These are the energy sappers, the unrealistic expectations of others and also of our own need to be needed. It is doing the right thing, but is not the thing that God has called you to do is doing something that is good that might benefit other people but God has not called you to do and so one of the greatest tragedies in life is that at the end of your life you have succeeded in a variety of things and people have applauded you and you have embraced your own achievements but it's those things that God has not called you to do the things that God has called you to do you have neglected those things because you were so obsessed with getting the applause and the accolades of people that you've missed out on what God has planned you for you in eternity past. We're living in a day and age in which we want to impress other people. You know, the saying is, we buy stuff with money that we don't have to impress people we don't like. 
And so we must be very, very careful that we do not waste our energy or allow other people to misuse us and sap the life out of us. And we must be acutely aware that the enemy will keep you busy as long as you can keep you unproductive. God is wanting us to be productive. Everything and anything that would slow you down you and I need to lose that as a heavy weight that is upon us. King David summed it up in Psalm 51 and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Can you imagine if you and I sincerely and honestly look in the mirror on a daily basis before we rush out and do the busyness of life and you say, you look in the mirror and you're speaking to God and you say to God, will you not search me, O God? Will you not know my heart and make my heart known to me? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You will be a blessing to the people that you will meet that day. Everyone around you will know that you have gotten rid of anything that is offensive to God and so it's, you will also not offend other people easily. Of course, the Christian must put off rid ourselves of every known sin. The only sin that, are not for, that is not, will not be forgiven are the sins that are not confessed and repented of. Sin forms a gripping hindrance upon us. It will enslave us. It will entangle us. It will choke the very spiritual life out of us. The very best athlete, Usain Bolt, can easily be outrun by a toddler in a diaper. Because the toddler is unshackled. He might be the fastest runner, but if he's bound, the toddler will win. Brothers and sisters, when we run this race and we get rid of all the unnecessary baggage we must understand that we are never in competition with each other is that God is at work within all of our lives and the Holy Spirit will reveal to you and me those stuff those things that, those sins that will so easily beset us these sins are not specifically mentioned but you and I can fill in the blanks Maybe it is jealousy. Maybe it is a superiority complex, an unhealthy desire for stuff, a spirit of hatred, a spirit of unforgiveness, a lack of self-discipline. You and I fill in the blanks. If you can't fill in the blanks and you really think that there is really nothing that I must confess, then please put pride as a top priority. You see, a spirit of unforgiveness will cripple you and not the person that you do not want to forgive. Someone said, 
Forgiveness is for the benefit of the one who is willing to forgive. Forgiveness sets us free. It sets us free to worship God. It sets us free to serve God. It makes us available to serve God and to serve other people. A spirit of unforgiveness, as I've illustrated early on, is like drinking poison. Spirit of unforgiveness. I'm not prepared to forgive Pastor Bill. I drink the poison, but I actually want him to die. It is not going to happen. Spirit of unforgiveness will kill you and not the person that you're not prepared to forgive. So you'll have a family member and you'll sing in the choir and you'll preach and you do all kinds of wonderful ministry, but you avoid them like a plague. The Christian life, brothers and sisters, is a race of endurance. It is not a sprint. It is not a short race. It is a marathon. It has its ups and its downs. Its downs. And so therefore, this spiritual race requires spiritual stamina, a determination, a persistency, and running this race indeed We do this in the strength of him who loved us and gave himself for us. I do not run alone. You know the hymn that they sing for Manchester, one of those teams? You will never walk alone with Christ. You are never, ever alone. You and I are more than overcomers, more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself unstintingly for us so we run with our eyes fixed on Jesus too often we look around and we listen to other voices and we be we are sidetracked but we are only called to look unto him who is both the author and the perfecter of our faith our eyes must always be upon him there are too many things that will distract us The goal of every race is not just to win and come first, but to finish well. Jesus showed us. He said, all that the Father has assigned me to do, I have completed that. At the end, when he died on the cross, he says, tetelestai, it is finished. The transaction had been accomplished. The great work of redemption is over. What the Father has assigned for me in eternity past, I have completed in time. And the result is that the effects of the cross is indeed for all eternity. In the Greeks, races, the men sometimes ran naked. And the the idea was that no clothing or anything else would slow them down so that indeed they would become aerodynamic and superfluous as they go through the race. Brothers and sisters, is it not good to know that there is no baggage that we carry, no weight that is keeping us down? We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We don't look to the left. We don't look to the right. We don't listen to voices around us. We are sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he says, this is the way, walk he in it.
Jesus is not only the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end, but between the beginning and the end, he is our protector. He is our provider. He is our sustainer. He is our great high priest. He is our mighty tower. He is our faithful God. He is our healer. He is the helper in times of all of our troubles. Brothers and sisters, you are weak. You will be weak. But his strength will be made perfect in your weakness. He will watch over you. He will protect you. He will provide whatever you need. He will sustain you as you commit yourselves to him. He's the high priest that intercedes on our behalf. And when we pray, the Bible reminds us that we can ask anything in his name and it will be given to us. He will show us great and mighty things that we are not even aware of. Faithful God, divine healer, and ever-present help in times of trouble. Yes, for the joy that is set before him. Of course, this is not a personal, selfish accomplishment. But rather the joy is the heavenly bliss of the pre-incarnated Christ who surrendered himself to the way of the cross. Deliberately, you know the prayer. We are reminded, we will be reminded of that even this morning. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus went to the cross because of the joy that it will bring you and me. It brought him pain and rejection from God and also from man. But the accomplishments of the cross brings to us a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And we will eternally benefit by what he has done on the cross for us. I am forgiven in him. My sin not in part, but the whole has been nailed to the cross. I am no longer just what other people tell me me I am supposed to be but I am more than an overcomer I am more than a conqueror I've been accepted and and I've been adopted in the beloved I'm an heir of the father I'm a joint heir with the son I'm a child of the kingdom my name is written in the land's book of life everything has changed I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus all because of the cross of Calvary all because of Jesus nothing of my own all because of who Jesus is Brothers and sisters, sometimes the Christian life is a long one, a hard one, a challenging one, and the Christian traveler becomes weak and weary and worn out. And sometimes we actually feel like giving up, throwing in the towel, slowing down, or even abandoning the faith. And so the writer to the Hebrews writes to encourage them because they were in the habit now of neglecting the assembly of themselves as God's people. And it says, do not neglect. In chapter 10, verse 25, the gathering of the saints because we certainly need each other. Isn't it wonderful to know that when we read and hear people who were ill and they're in hospital to come back here and to say, thank you for the prayer cards. Thank you for your support. Brothers, if you do not need the prayers today, it's only Sunday. Monday is still coming. (laughs) And when you have gone through that difficult time, 
The Lord will use your experience to speak to others who have lost a spouse or a child or a baby that was born, that was stillborn at birth. How painful can that be? But there will be another mother who will say, I know what you're going through. He has sustained me and he has helped me. We are all weak. But we are reminded in God's word to constantly abide in him and produce the fruit of righteousness. This is the key. There is no shortcuts. There is no seven steps to instant success in the Christian life. It is only about constantly abiding in him. And when we do that through the difficult times in the valley experiences as well as the mountaintop experiences, we are determined only to abide in him. We are not looking for a short way out. We are not looking for a quick solution or for an alternative. We constantly abide in him and we look unto him because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. We are urged, I am urged, the young people are urged, older men are urged, are asked, are urged, ladies too, to watch and pray, lest we fall into temptation, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is unreliable. The flesh is weak. But when he resides within us and we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to live out the Christ life in and through us, we can then now do all things through Christ. He gives us the strength. For greater now is he that is within me than he that is in the world. But as, at best, you and I are frail children of the dust. We cannot be trusted. We cannot even trust ourselves. Samson thought that he could just again push his way and the pillars will fall and he wist not that the Spirit of God had left him. You and I cannot live the Christian life without abiding in him on a daily basis. We are encouraged to crucify the old self lest we fall into sin. We are encouraged to know Christ in us is our only hope of glory. In our weaknesses, his strength is being made perfect. And this is in the present continuous tense. We are being renewed day by day. We are being built up in our faith. We are being changed from one degree of glory into another. The image of Christ is being transformed and formed in us more and more. But it comes when we constantly abiding in us. You and I need to know that daily the Lord is at work within our lives. In spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our faults, and in spite of our failures, the Spirit of God is still very real. He will not give up on us. Others will write you off and give you a second and a third chance. But God himself, through the person of Jesus Christ and the mighty work of the Holy Spirit, will bring this great work that he has started within us to completion. It does not matter where you have been. It does not matter what you have done. Sin has a tendency to keep us longer than what we wanted to stay, isn't that so? And let us pay more than what we've anticipated. But listen carefully, God's word reminds us, nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Troubles, 
difficulties, life or death, angels, demons, nothing. And the Greek word for nothing means absolutely nothing. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. The image of Christ, believe it or not, as we say, is being formed in our lives as we constantly abide in him. May I encourage you, you will feel tempted. You will feel weary. You would want to take a break, as it were. You want to abandon the God just for a moment because you recognize that it's wrong, but you still want to do that. May I encourage you, never ever give up. Surrender to him and allow him to transform your life by the power of his Holy Spirit. We are all subject to weaknesses. We are all subject to giving in to the flesh. We are all subject to leave the God we claim we love. And I conclude with this true illustrative story. In his youth, Robert Robertson was an apprentice to a barber in London and lived a wild and reckless life. But one day he heard a sermon by George Whitfield on the stern words of John the Baptist to the Jewish leaders of his day. There's a quotation from Matthew 3 and verse 17. Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The Spirit of God convicted the wayward young man and he put his faith in Jesus Christ. Associated with the Wesleyans for a time, Robertson served as a pastor in several churches. He wrote a number of works on theology and two hymns that we know. Mighty God, and come thou fount of every blessing. The hymn that he wrote says, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Of course, this hymn is an autobiographical of his confession of his proneness to wander away from the Lord. Though he was a man of brilliant intelligence, Robert Robertson was, in the words of scripture, unstable as water taken from Genesis chapter 49 and verse 14. And that is what I am, and I believe you too. Unstable as water, fickle, weak, in our best attempts. In his latter years, he drifted away from God. This weakness is reflected in the last stanza of that great hymn that he wrote. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. In a spiritually backslidden condition, the author was traveling in a stagecoach one day. His only companion was a young woman unknown to him in the providence of God. And not realizing who it was, she spoke with the woman quoted, come thou fount of every blessing, saying what an encouragement it has been to her probably over years. And try as he might, Robertson could not get her to change the subject. Finally, he said with tears in his eyes, Madam, I am the poor unhappy man who composed that hymn many, many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if I had them 
those feelings I had then. Gently, she replied, Sir, the streams of mercy are still flowing. He was deeply touched by that. And as a result of this encounter, and he repented. His fellowship with God was restored through the ministry of his own hymn and the willingness of a Christian to testify to the mercy of God. I have a suspicion that you are prone to wonder. I know of myself. In our weakness, we are prone to wonder. We sang this in the opening hymn, Child of weakness, thy strength is indeed small. Watch and pray. And here is a wonderful verse also. There is a place where mercy reigns. There is a place where grace abounds and it is only in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you this morning that there is a place where mercy reigns. And there is a place where grace abounds. We confess our own fallibility. We confess our own weakness. We even confess our strong ability to cover up our own weakness because we do not want to let others know just exactly how human we are and how vulnerable we are. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and you just say, he's probably talking about me and that you're probably right because I'm talking to everybody. I recognize my weakness and I want to just recognize my absolute dependency on God. If that is you, slip up your hand just there where you are. You say, I realize my shortcomings, my weaknesses, and I realize that I need to be completely dependent on him. Raise your hand, God sees your hands. Praise the Lord. All over this place. You just say, that's me. Father, thank you that you speak to us still by your Holy Spirit. And as Robert Robertson had that encounter and thought that he would probably get away from you and yet you've put the woman right in his face. Thank you that every time you put your grace at our disposal, and give us grace that you will not, Lord, misuse the grace that you show to us on a daily basis. We are prone to wonder. Lord, we feel it. Thank you that your strength is always being made perfect in our weakness through Jesus Christ, our sovereign Lord. To him be all the glory, the praise, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you again for this unique privilege, sir.